welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing, what is this, Tangled Threat by Heather Graham. I forgot <laughs> what book we read. You picked it. I did pick it. It's, listen, technical difficulties aside, yeah. Uh, before we start talking about that book, we'd like to remind you to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the PHX Nest Pod on Instagram and PHX Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at the Phoenix Nest Pod at gmail.com and hopefully give us some um, pointers on how to be podcasters because it's been almost three years. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, the links to our social media can be found in the description along with the link to our Goodreads that I never update because I'm a piece of trash. Oh, and shop at Mostly Books. The link is in the description as well. Um, You're so angry in your intro today. I'm frustrated because my microphone broke and I'm using a backup and it sounds like shit. <laughs> Cranky. Um. Anyways. anyways. Anyways, we've got this book to talk about and it's um not... Our favorite. We're going to go with that as the nice way of saying it. Where did we leave off? Sorry about that. Um, Kat had to take a personal call um, for various reasons, and it's fine. We'll cut this out later. (laughs) (laughs) So this was my pick, and I'm sorry. How did you pick it? Let's start there, because this is Harlequin. This is our first Harlequin, right? Yes. And so... (laughs) Okay. It's like a bajillion... Harlequins. They're everywhere. You can't, like, I can't turn around. I can't even go into the romance room at Mostly without just running into all of the silhouettes and the Harlequins. And it's a lot. It's definitely so many. And, like, it's not just, like, here's romance. It's, like, here's suspense. Here's inspirational. Here's Amish. Here's. And honestly, based on this specific book, I would not say the quality and quantity matches up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I did to choose this, I once read a Heather Graham. Once upon a time? <laughs> like, I think two years ago. It was when I was still living with my mom um, after the cat flooded my apartment. Um, previous ownership. I'm sorry if you heard that. Well, you probably haven't. You don't give a fuck about me anymore. It's fine. Um, I read a Heather Graham. Uh, thank you to Trisha at Mostly Books. She's the one who got them for me as a thank you for, I believe it was for doing um, Independent Romance Bookstore Day when we did that. Okay. When we did the live show. I think that's what it was from. But um, I read a Heather Graham and I liked it because it was like kind of spooky and kind of romancy and it had the int- like the intrigue, if you Is want to suspense. Is that an older one or a newer one of hers, it's though? It's an older one. Okay. Because this was published in 2019. Maybe, maybe it's a ghostwriter situation and it's gone off the rails. It's not. And let me tell you why That's I know That's horrifying, that. then. All right. So before we start, I'm going to start reading off all the fun facts about Heather Graham. All right. Let's hear him. All right. Because you know me. I have to do my research. And, um... Follow up. There's no content warnings. Storygraph didn't have any. Um, they should. Based on the basic story, kidnapping, like Rape. implied sexual assault. Yeah. Okay. It, Murder. Okay, we'll get there. But All right. Weird. Heather Graham. She writes under the pen name Heather Graham because that's her legal name. With she got married, so there's another name, and I couldn't pronounce it because it's like 800 characters long. 
Cool. Awesome. A lot of of consonants. Couldn't figure it out. Um, But she also writes under the pen name Shannon Drake. Um, She has written over 150 novels and novellas. Okay. Okay. She has published in approximately 25 languages. She's had over 75 million copies of her books printed. And she sold her first novel in 1982. Okay. So long-standing author. Definitely has a history. Hella prolific. Okay, okay. We're usually on board with this kind of stuff. Normally, yeah. Um, However, this one kind of felt weird, and we'll go into that here in a minute. Kat, do you want to read the synopsis, even though it's short and makes little sense? It's like, it's seriously only like a paragraph. It is a paragraph. All right, here we go. (laughs) Some things you can't forget. A body hanging from the infamous history tree unraveled their teenage love, Now, Mara Antrim is again tangled up with Brock McGovern. Twelve years later, they're back where that murder occurred, where Brock had been arrested and then released, where Mara had run, too scared to stand by his side. But with two women missing and Brock now an FBI agent, Mara is determined to help. Together, they'll have to confront a threat that never died and see if their passion has withstood the test of time. Okay. Is that it? That's literally all mine says. <laughs> I was not. That's exactly what mine says too, but I wasn't paying attention. Um, and I'm sorry. You can blame that on your sister. I'm trying to find acid reflux cures for your nephew. Um, sometimes I Google while cat reads. That's totally fine. I do the same. Um, okay. So let's just address the blurb problems. Um, it's short. It's too short. It gave it's- us almost everything. Which is weird. Normally when it's too short, it's because it's trying to be extra mysterious. This wasn't at all mysterious. We got everything we needed from it. Um, Everything. It doesn't really mention... Okay. So it doesn't really talk about anything except the two characters, their history, right? Mm -hmm. Which is normally fine. But it doesn't at all mention anything about Mara's job. Which is kind of key to this, and yeah. and it doesn't mention that like, like the secret surprise family members. It doesn't mention. Okay, it says she's trying to help, but like her version of trying to help was not no. actually helpful. No. And then when it was helpful, it was a secret from the reader. There was a lot going on. Okay. It was like it was like we we're supposed to be a bystander. I don't like being a bystander. I want to be an I want to be omniscient. I want to be an active participant in what's happening. I want to be for okay. book reading, not for real life. So let's go into the fact that this is a romantic suspense, which I think we swore off and we would never do them again. How, what other romantic suspense have we read, though? White Out by Adriana Anders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. He looked like Zac Efron on the cover. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. picture it in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Who, also, Zac Efron had, like, a shit ton of plastic surgery, and now doesn't look like Zac Efron. It confuses my brain. I don't like it. I don't either. I think he was way good looking as he was. And then... And now he looks like a weird Ken doll. He looks scary. Which maybe that's what he's going for. Like, a unaging but plastic is, man. There's a guy who already looks like that and he's terrifying. That's not the point of this. The there aren't this, Ken dolls in this book. We're just no. stuck on it. The point of this is is that I don't know why I thought another romantic suspense would be a good idea. Because there, there are possibilities in romantic suspense 
for like things to be good. And then they weren't. Yeah. This is this is the basic outline of every CSI show. Yep. Ever. Uh Or Bones or um SVU or you know, it was the basic like literally anything podcast murder mystery hour. Okay. Hang on. As someone who listens to all the podcast murder mystery hours. You know what I mean. No. Uh, So this one I you know, I got it because I recognized the name and it was the one name out of all of the Harlequins I looked at that I recognized. Okay. Um and it wasn't one of the really raunchy ones. Which now I'm questioning. Are you sure we shouldn't have gone with Super Raji? I feel like I've been super let down the past few months. I feel like we should have gone Super Raji now and I'm upset with myself. We need to have an erotica themed month. Okay, but here's my question. If it was a Super Raji Harlequin, would it also be disappointing? We don't know yet. See, that's the problem. Because our next book is also a Harlequin and we <gasps> haven't started it yet. But it's a different author. It is a Thank different author. God. Okay. Anyways. Tell, tell us more. Okay, so the history tree, first off, we're going to start off with that. The history tree has, as we all know, history. However, it's not just one tree. It's two trees. It's like a an elm, an oak. It's an oak and a palm and tree a palm entwined. Tree. Does your brain immediately go, is that possible? I mean, like, I know it's possible. I think it's just really weird that they have an oak and a palm tree even though they're in Florida. Like, those are two trees that probably shouldn't be side by side. So, like, okay, my farmer hick ass knows that you can put two, you can splice trees together. So you could have limes growing on a lemon tree. Well, I mean, that's how we create a lot of fruit anyways, right? Like, Well, and it's it's just efficiency because you can splice in a couple branches of limes on a lemon tree and now you have both fruits growing off of But this tree. isn't splicing. This is one grew and then another grew around it. And that's weird. And I'm just wondering about the root systems. <laughs> because, like, we have palm trees in Arizona, which is also really weird. Okay. I grew up in an area where we didn't just have palm trees. They were date trees. So they were huge oh, palm trees yeah. dates. But, like... My brain this entire time, we're supposed to be wondering about the mystery and the romance, but you and I are like, how are these two trees surviving this long? (laughs) It's the real romance of this novel, the palm tree and the oak tree. Well, and like, it's long standing. It's obviously like hundreds of years old. Um, As the mortician or whatever, what is she called? The coroner? Yeah, why, I don't know why I say mortician. Mortician. Because she works in a morgue. But, like, <laughs> as she keeps reminding us, the soil is very fertile in these areas. She keeps saying it over and over. Every time they go and, like, identify a body, which is <coughs> weird. Always. And um, so I guess that's how it's surviving. But, like, root systems. Like, seriously. How are they not suffocating each like, other? Like, palm trees or at least the ones I've seen, have pretty shallow but big roots. Mm -hmm. Whereas oak trees have, like, huge, far-spreading roots. And deep. And then we have other trees, like, here that have just, like, one main root and then a ton of tiny ones that come Whatever. Caliverdes and shit. But, like, that tells me that one of them would be getting more water than the other, and it shouldn't be a codependent tree system. Arborists. <clears throat> if you're listening, if you're please. an arborist who enjoys romance novels, again, 
that email address is at the top of the show. It'll be in the show notes. Can this, is this possible? Is the real relationship in this novel between these two fucking trees? Because I think it's just really an analogy. It has for, to be. For two things that shouldn't be together but are. And it was convenient. It's just weird. You Like, when you did your research, it didn't say there's a real history tree in Florida or anything like that. I didn't Google history tree either. But, like, I feel like about the book and about the author would yeah, say, like, no. based on historic places or events or whatever. Nope. Okay. Nope. And I felt like if I Googled, <clears throat> like, Florida history tree, I was going to come up with something, like, questionable, like a hanging tree. And that's not something we wanted. But I guess that's like almost what it is, right? I, that's the uh, it is because that's how everybody's hanged off this fucking oak tree, hung, hanged. I don't know the tense. But of that. really, it's just two women. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, back to it. Um. Too much. So there's this tree, right? They work at this resort as teenagers. A woman is hanged from the tree she's found dead her neck is hella broken um think bent neck lady from the haunting of hill house if you've seen it i personally have it because she scares me and then it's a co-worker of theirs and everyone has a vendetta against her because she's kind of a bitch no one really likes her and then brock gets arrested for this murder even though he could there's no way he could have done it but also that he could have done it it doesn't check out so he gets released they get separated. They never speak again until one day he's an FBI agent and she's doing videographer work with oh, a friend. That's something that's completely wrong in the blurb, by the way. It says that she like fled to safety. Mara did. No, she didn't. Her parents, her parents took her. whisked her away to what they thought was safety. No, that's a very different that's meaning. Super different. Also, just an FYI, I'm suffering <clears throat> from some mad allergies, and it sounds like Kat is as well. So if we sound disgusting at any point during this podcast, I'm cranky, I'm tired, my eyes are itchy, and there's a lot of stuff in my face right now. And you're very complaining. I am very complaining today. I didn't get enough sleep. Anyways, so they whisk her away. They have this life that are they're separated. They've all, this, this first love or whatever. And then... They come back together, and they're all surprised to see each other, but surprise, they're still in love with each other. That never went away, despite having different partners in life. They stayed single and all that fun stuff. They're trying to solve disappearances. Girls are going missing, and then they find another body in the area. Shit's getting weird again. And surprise, I wasn't surprised by the outcome, the twist at the end. I was like, yeah, that checks out. Which is really weird because for me, mysteries, I read mystery novels like I'm an absolute moron. Like I've never, ever had a mystery ever. Like I've never played Clue or something and couldn't figure it out. So like I read mystery novels and I feel stupid. Whereas this one, I was like, yeah, checks out. Makes sense. It was just really predictable, I think, was part of the problem. Like, I don't like super unsolvable mysteries and I just get frustrated. But this one was like too easy i guess i don't just it how do i put this without you know what we're gonna just do it we're gonna spoil it that's the whole point of this so yeah i'm sorry if you want to know what it's like stop it right now stop our podcast right now go go read read this book and then come back later because there's no way to talk about this without ruining it completely and considering that the blurb ruins most of it 
you're not really going to be missing out on no. very much, honestly. I mean, which is sad. But. But also you're saving yourself like $6. Yeah. Well, and not even that because I think I bought mine for like 4 on. I don't remember what books. mine was. Oh, no. Mine was $5 because it's on Kindle. Yeah. It was like four ninety nine. Whatever. Anyways. Okay. Anyway. So the whole point of this is that these girls that are going missing and that they're trying to find have been either to the resort or on their way to the resort. They're going to the resort. That's and it's the like they thing. never check in or they didn't make it to meet their friend or they never made it home to their parents after the resort. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it all kind of centers around this this fucking resort. Everything happens at this resort. And then we find out at the end that the whole thing was done by the sketchy owner of the resort, Donald Glass. And everyone was like, oh, he's such the nicest man. He's such a sweet guy. And I was like, this dude's creepy. It wasn't him. Yeah, it was. No, it was was his wife and his daughter. Jessica. So I'm not going to lie. I checked out for a minute. Anyways, so it was the what? Well, because the... So then you (laughs) you didn't solve it. No, I did. I did solve it. I'm tired. all that. So no, so they uh, they arrest Donald Glass, but then we find out it was the wife because Donald Glass is a creep and he likes looking at younger women because he's disgusting. He likes having affairs and traveling and that's like generally believed to be his cover for his affairs. Yes. So is like his other properties. His wife, her name was Maria, right? Marie. Marie. Yeah. Something it was an M. I know that. Okay. Uh, but she's the one who's off murdering all these women because her husband is a philanderer. But then we find out that Maura's friend that she's doing all this video shit with was also in on it. Yeah, so okay, so building up to this. We have the whole story in the beginning of, like, the the woman who worked at the resort. Her name was Francine. She was very well known to have had an affair with Donald Glass and all this stuff. And she ended up hanged from the, the history tree. Mm-hmm. And so that all explodes. And then we kind of just jump to, like, a decade later. Um, and everyone's kind of gone their separate ways and fulfilled their dreams and found their dream jobs. Whatever. Um, it's fine. And then... These girls start going missing in Florida, and they specially request Brock McGovern from the FBI because, because he's from there. And he knows the inn. And so, like, the backstory of this is that the the head detective or lead detective or whatever is the guy that falsely arrested Brock when he was 18. And so now they're working together, and it's like this guy's, like, obsession to solve these murders and he's just kind of a background character after that. Um, but then he happens to be there at the same time as, as Angie and Mara. Mm-hmm. And Angie and Mara do, like, film this quirky ghost show on YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's basically... Um, it's What do I want to compare it to Buzz that's correct? Unsolved meets the travel channel okay but isn't ghost adventures right because it's not like they're seeking out ghosts they're just like doing history yeah of like locations and so mara's like she's a good storyteller so sometimes she's in front of the camera but usually it's angie and angie's like outrageously flirty and like kind of does whatever she wants and she's real flighty and whatever right so yes. they're exploring all around frampton which is the resort and like the neighboring ruins and caves and shit. St. Augustine, all of that. You know, 
As you do. In Florida. As you do. Because who wouldn't want to do that? And they kind of help. Not, I don't want to say they help. They, like, are interested in the missing girls. They're not really helpful, though. Like, it's framed as though it is helpful, but it's not until, like, the very end. No, and they're, like, trying to, the glass, Donald and Marie want them to, like, show the inn to get more people to come as if it's not already really popular. So it, they, they just want to be, like, featured. They've they've turned into the, the YouTube travel channel, essentially. Yeah, and cool. Which is fine. However, it just, it fell flat for me. Okay, it was a lot of boringness, so... Hence why I thought it was Donald Glass until they were like, but it was Marilia Marie, and then I... Because you just, you skimmed over it. I, didn't, um, I did skim over it, I'll admit it. So... I had to read the last, I had to read that last paragraph, like, a couple times. So the the Travel Channel stuff is all going really well, but then it starts to get more dangerous. Another girl goes missing... Mm-hmm. Um, they have found like a couple of skeletons or bodies or however you want to phrase that. It's like mostly decomposed bodies. Which is so sketchy and creepy. And it's all like shallow grave bullshit, like all these bugs and then the soil is really nutrient dense. And that's where we're getting all that, right? And um so Brock takes on this like protector role and keeps telling Mara, like, don't go anywhere unaccompanied. Don't go anywhere off-site without someone that you trust. All this shit, right? Being overprotective. And they also find out that Brock tried to contact her for, like, years while he was in the service. And her parents just never gave her the messages because they still thought that he might be a serial killer. And so there's that whole misunderstanding. But then she forgives him and they're still in love. And then they have what sounds like really bland sex that's like a paragraph long. It was so bland. It There was no description. And okay, so it's not that you have to be really good at writing sex scenes because you can do fade to black. You can do a cut scene and it's fine. But like there was no chemistry, no connection, no, no there was nothing. Nothing. And the, they, they had sex at least twice on page. But there was nothing. It was boring. It was very weird. So that was disappointing. They came together and that was pretty much all you got out of it. I just, I think I just needed, I I was expecting more. But now I'm realizing we really shouldn't read these suspense romance because they're not for us. Obviously. Kind of like how we talk about like religious or Christian romances aren't really for us. Mm -hmm. Maybe this goes in that category of not going to hit the mark. Because we've talked about this before. We don't need crazy, raunchy, BDSM, graphic, detail sex scenes. Nope. But we need more than, like, feather light touches and rekindling a flame or whatever the fuck it said. What is that movie with Josh Hartnett and that chick from A Knight's Tale? They give some. They have to give up things for Lent, and he gives up sex for Lent. And they have sex with an orchid. I have no idea what you're talking about. 40 Days and 40 Nights. Is that what that one's called? I have no idea. You've Have you never seen that movie? Okay. I'm not really a movie buff. You're really not. I shouldn't ask you this question. No. 40 Days and 40 Nights. It's very rare that I know a movie answer. It is. It is <clears throat> 40 Days and 40 Nights. There is an entire sex scene in this movie where he pleasures her with orchid petals. 
and they did it well. It made like it it was a good scene. This felt like he was having sex with her with a cardboard box. It was like they kept all their clothes on. Like <laughs> it was just dry humping on a couch like teenagers. Okay, have you ever seen Bad Teacher? No. With Justin Timberlake? No. <laughs> There's a scene where he and Cameron Diaz are like having sex, but he has all his clothes on. <laughs> so bad. So funny. Um, okay. So anyways, if you needed any point of reference, either of those will do. Um, I I think you should look up that Justin Timberlake sex scene because it's the funniest thing in the whole world. Um, anyway. So, okay. So we have, I'm not even going to say it's mediocre sex. It's like not even sex. We have no. relations. There's relations. We read the slight descriptive section on relations and then it just goes right back into the mystery and what happens is angie wants to stay longer they want her to film more things all good mara doesn't have plans to go do anything else because she's freelance it's all good and then angie is like i you know have to meet a friend at the coffee bar or whatever and in this span of this day um Mara and Brock have gone into the library and done some research, and this is, like, the weird cliffhanger thing. They're looking through, like, really old scrapbooks because one of the the things that Donald Glass is really proud of is the history of the land that they're on. And so he keeps all of this stuff, and there's, like, artifacts donated by um, native peoples in the area or, like, from other museums or whatever. So it's, like, a living museum in a way. And... So she goes in, she's going through scrapbooks, and they find out, like, there used to be this secret society of, like, Nazi supporters called the Supreme Beings, which is also a stupid name. (laughs) Um, And essentially, they're the KKK. They're, like, a branch of the KKK for, like, elite college kids and their rich families dating from, like, the 1850s. And Which also aligns with, like, KKK shit, right? Okay. Yes. So she's looking through, and she, like, gasps, and, like, there's a big deal, and she sees something. And then it cuts that scene. We, it, She doesn't go over and explain to Brock what she found. She's just like, you have to see this. And then he goes and looks at it. So we're, in our minds, we are led to believe that what she found was a picture of someone who looked very much like Donald Glass. Because it's an all-male society, and that's yeah. who's accused of killing um, or murdering Giselle, who is the the legend of the tree, right? The original person who was hung off the tree. Okay. And um, so then that doesn't come back into play until later. And then they don't really explain it very well anyways. They're just like, we found a scrapbook photo. Well, and but that's the, like it. <laughs> society goes away. It disappears it, and it has it, like a few supporters or revivalists. Which, disgusting. Throughout history, but is also accurate for most things. Yeah. And so they're like, maybe it's just someone who's, like, really into, um, you know, being a, a neo-Nazi. Or like, So there's, like, these theories. None of them really work out. We still don't really understand what she saw. Because she, the most descriptive she was about that scrapbook was, like, an artist's rendering of the other girl who was murdered at the history tree. Mm-hmm. But that still doesn't tell us anything. So we're yeah. just... Assuming that it's a relative of Donald Glass. However, at the end, they're like, it makes so much sense now, now that you've pointed that out from that scrapbook. But it doesn't. Nope. 
because the murders and kidnappings are being committed by Marie Glass and Donald Glass's illegitimate daughter, who is Angie. So the scrapbook doesn't tell us very much. It gave us And nothing. the lack of detail doesn't help us solve any part of that mystery. And um, yeah, so like the story is Donald Glass had a lover as he does throughout this book. He has different lady friends and she got pregnant and they paid her off. They settled out of court, which seems to be his shtick. Mm-hmm. And the deal was that he'd pay her a bunch of money and pay for an abortion. And that woman said, sure, I'll do that. And then took all the money, but didn't get an abortion. And then basically raised Angie to like hate Donald Glass. And so then she comes into contact with Marie and Marie has found this weird bloodlust because she's the one that killed Francine. But she also framed the cook for a murder-suicide and stabbed him with his own knife. Stabbed him in the stomach and then hit him in the freezer and made it look like a suicide. It was just... So, like, then that's how she discovered she enjoyed stabbing people. So every victim after that had uh, evidence of stab wounds because she continually stabbed them in between their ribs and which would leave marks on their rib cage is the is the thing can i just tell you yes one of my greatest fears is being stabbed between the ribs no um and the reason why i never wanted to become a doctor despite my family saying you're so smart you could be a doctor i am terrified of piercing skin oh really i can get pierced i can get tattooed I can have blood drawn. It's fine. But me specifically, the act of me piercing someone else's skin mm-hmm. or my own skin terrifies the shit out of me. Interesting. Because I know I can feel the pop when it goes in. Oh, then you're just not doing it fast enough. What? Even when I get my blood or drawn, sharp enough. it freaks me the fuck out. Huh. I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have the terms. I got a shot this past weekend and then a shot the weekend before that. I'm, okay I'm living with, my best life. I can, I'm okay with like getting shots and stuff. Like I can do that. That's fine. It's me actively piercing someone else's skin. So if I ever get into a fight, I just want you to know it will not be a knife fight because the I I will vomit if I stab my attacker. I mean, it's I, I think it's most people would, but just from like pure adrenaline and then like guilt <laughs> mine would be oh god i just stabbed a man followed by oh god i just stabbed a man yeah There's- we're not really cut out for murder <laughs> no for like a lot of reasons part of it being that we didn't enjoy this book no it was not good there was just it, it fell flat a lot happened but nothing happened it was so i thought this was going to take me a lot longer to read it only took me like maybe two and a half hours um, it was fast, but not because I, like, couldn't stop reading it. It was fast because it was a lot of nothingness. Like, if I could summarize this, I could do it in, like, four sentences. This could have 100 pages removed and still tell the, sor- the story. Which we've talked about this before. Sometimes if you just rip the chunk of the middle of the book out, it's still a solid book. And this is one of those things where we could take away a lot of the weird... Um, reminiscing a yeah. lot of the exposition. A lo- like, in all honesty, 
the very beginning was more interesting than the rest of the book, and that was because it was the story of the history tree. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to go from there and no. not jump the 10 years, and we got the jump instead. Had it not jumped, I think I would have been okay. If it had, like, explored younger peoples. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't, I you know, I okay. thought that it had potential. But then the potential fell flat after the first chapter. After the prologue, not even the first chapter. It was disappointing, I think. And it's only like eight <clears throat> chapters in an epilogue long. And this is also a book, like, we talk about this a lot, character descriptions. There's not a whole lot in there to describe anyone. Like, if you ask me to describe Donald Glass, I can remember it said he was tan and fit for an older man. Okay, but he's tan because they live in Florida and everyone is tan. But, like, that's the description. Like, that's it. He's like, I can't describe Mara. I, for some reason, didn't think her name was Mara for a while. It was, like, towards the middle of the book that my brain was like, oh, yeah, that's her name. She's one of the main characters. And I was like, the hell? she was boring. She was boring. And she kept doing things she wasn't supposed to do. Oh, so, like, that's, that's how they get caught. I skipped that part. But that's how they get caught is... um. She and, okay, so Angie says she's going to meet a friend and have coffee. And they're like, cool, be safe. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's 24 hours. We won't be alone, whatever. And Mara's like, I'm going to go upstairs. And Brock's like, wink, wink, me too. And then as they're, like, upstairs, she gets this frantic call from Angie. And Angie's, like, screaming, he's got me, blah, blah. He wants you to come here. He's going to kill me, right? Whatever. And then the phone goes dead. And so, in their panic, they run down. Oh my god, I keep hearing this. They run down the stairs, and Brock is like, "You stay here." And Mara's like, "No, I want to go." He's like, "No, you stay here. I'll go get Angie." And then comes and frees her from the tree, and she's like, still, still freaking out. And like he knows you're here, blah blah. And Mara is dumb and doesn't wait for Brock on the steps like he told her. Okay, but at the but same like time, why? The same time, the whole book, he's saying. Don't be alone. Don't separate yourself from your party. Blah, blah, blah. Followed by stay here. It was a ploy. You work for the fucking FBI. But that's why he said stay here. Because they're in the lobby that's open 24 hours. It was dumb. So she is like, no, I'll just, I'll go to my room in case Angie calls again, which is dumb because Angie's not going to call again if she's screaming and the line went dead. That usually means that's the end. It's not. But so she goes into her room and she realizes, I didn't lock my door on the way out. Then she opens her. She's like, that's weird. I didn't turn all the lights off. And then goes in anyways. I have a smart what? home. Specifically so I don't walk into the dark. But like, what? So then she, okay. So then she gets hit over the head and dragged somewhere and left underground. While underground, she's like, I'm going to try to get the fuck out of here. No one's going to murder me. And then she starts crawling through these tunnels or like caves or whatever and she can see light, and then she runs into a person. And all it said in that moment was that she touched flesh. And after reading about the the demon doors in the last book, I was like, no! But it wasn't that. It wasn't that. She found the alive women that have been missing, and all of them miraculously survive with various injuries. I do not understand how one woman had survived for months with no food and dirty water. That made no sense. There are legitimate studies 
about how long you can go with no food and if you have dirty bacteria water. Because they were in like a drain grate. They were in a disgusting area. Like, and, that person shouldn't have been alive. And they're like, it might have permanently damaged her insides. No shit. Like, come on. Anyways, so then she's screaming because they have the dogs out and they're looking for her. And then uh, and then Brock McGovern finds her and he takes the screws out of the grate and pulls her out. And she's like, there's other women down there. And then they live happily ever And then after. that's it. And they're like on a beach on an island at the end. And then they're getting married. Okay. It was a very fast wrap up. <laughs> they needed therapy so desperately. Especially because his chosen professions were military and FBI. They needed therapy. Like, she especially what? needed therapy. And the girl, just her description of her insides are probably fucked. No shit, her insides. The woman's lucky she's alive. She's probably gone into kidney fa- failure. She should have been dead if she was missing because it said like six months. Six months of like almost no food and only dirty water. No, what was it, she eating? And down living there? in the dark. That's the other thing. They were living in the dark. They were in like a weird tunnel system. They would have. Oh, it just reminds me of mole people. Mole people <laughs> creeps me out. Ugh. Okay. So now that we spoiled literally everything in this book, and it's like part of me didn't want to hate this book. Part of me was like, all right, mystery, cool. And then the other part of me was like, I don't, I don't like this at all. It's very bad. It was awful. And it wasn't like, I didn't go into it with high hopes. I definitely didn't go into it with high hopes. I, I went into it with. I hate that one of the things I'm most disappointed in is the sex part. Because that's not why we always read romance. (laughs) It's not for the sex. Is it because the last several that we've read have been kind of shit? Maybe. Because I feel like the last half of this year, we've read some real shit books. Maybe. I don't know. And it all started with you making me read Flowers in the Attic. We just cursed our our year because of V.C. Andrews. Fuck that bitch. Speaking of V.C. Andrews, Uh I went to um, the used bookstore yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. And um, this guy was on the floor and had an absolute stack of V.C. Andrews that he was going through. And I wanted to just say, dude, just run away. Did you say, you know, those are all about incest, right? I didn't. I should have. You should have. I'm looking. I'm going through the books. The last one that we read that we really liked was Slave to Sensation. Right. Obviously. Yes. But other than that, that's the only one we truly enjoyed for the last half of the year so far. Like I'm, I'm literally. Yeah, it's. I think maybe part of the problem is that if you don't balance the, like, heavy stuff with some something comedy or insightfulness or a really endearing character, then we run into this issue of it's just dragging. Yeah. We hate like, everything. Like, there's no character that I felt connected to. None of them. There's no, like, dialogue that I'm like, oh, that was really clever, or that was actually really funny. Like, other books that we've read, there are parts where we, like, literally laugh out loud, or parts where we're, like, so connected to that character that you're like, oh, God, that pain is just so real. It's legitimate to us. And we don't have that in here. We haven't had that in so long. Right. And... And, like, it wasn't thriller suspense. Like, sure, it's creepy. I totally get it. But it wasn't but anything it, that you're, like, 
horrified like you're gonna not be able to sleep at night it's just like uncomfortable which is fine i don't want to be scared like you do you want to i don't i'm that's very different i still never found a a horror book that i think i think that's okay but (laughs) i think that's maybe part of the problem is that there aren't any redeeming traits to these characters or just connecting characters for us like nothing felt even background characters. Yeah, nothing felt like I wanted to learn more about them. I didn't care. We about didn't any have of them. to. No, because their lives. Everyone were, was boring. They were all boring. All of their lives were bland white bread. And white bread has its place, and it wasn't in this suspense novel. No, white bread has its place. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Feeding I ducks. Just... You're not supposed to feed ducks bread, but. And you know, I don't know that if the sex scenes had been better or more detailed that that would really help no it wouldn't have helped because if the characters were that boring they have to have bland boring sex that's just all there is to it they're not having good fun sex but the thing is you can give a good sex scene that's like i guess what we would consider like i don't know normal sex i don't know how to phrase that right but like you can still have a really good descriptive sex scene without it being like like kind of gross right you don't need that and we've had them and we appreciate them because they have their place but this was just like nothingness this was like it was more it wasn't more than like a dry humping description this was like an over the pants thing (laughs) (laughs) this was the sex the sex scenes in this was like if you were at a party or a dinner date with your best friends and they're like, oh, my God, you just went on that date with Todd. How was it? And you explained the sex that you had. Your friends are buying you a round of drinks as an apology to you, and they weren't even involved. It's just so weird. I feel terrible for Mara that that is the sex life that Heather Graham decided to give to her. I just... It was bad. Anyway... I just don't know. Let's rate this bitch and get it out of our lives. I have a stack of books <sighs> that I have to put in the little free library to just get out of my life. And this is one of them. On a scale <laughs> of one to five, what do you rate Tangled Threat? Ugh. I think I'm going to give it a one. Okay. It was better than the last book we read, comparatively speaking. Yeah. And it had some elements that should have worked really well. Um, just like the background information, I think, was more complete and more enthralling than the actual, <laughs> like, book. <laughs> I gave it a two. Okay. And I think it's because it had the potential. Okay. But I still firmly believe that the romance in this book was between that dr- that damn oak tree and that damn pa- palm tree. It wasn't between any of the characters. The trees had more chemistry than the characters did. And that's a problem. But I felt like it had potential to go somewhere. And I did enjoy the last Heather Graham book I read. I just didn't enjoy this one as much as I would hope. And I wonder what the difference is. Like, was that one wrote in a few months and this one was was oh, wrote written written in like a few days or something i don't know if it's hanged or hung it's hanged, hanged. it's that's what i thought too it's a verb and then you you just said wrote <laughs> i know it's <instead> of written 
I think I don't I don't know. I don't know what the thing is. How long does it take to write a Harlequin romance? That's the real question. And how long does it take to write something this short? Because this is only 248 pages. And the text is very large. See, I don't I have no idea. And it makes me wonder because if she's been around this long, obviously she's successful in some market. She's incredibly prolific. And I don't understand what happened to this one. And is this like a weird like, is this a one-off where she just had a bad... Right? Like, I don't understand. Like, this was just kind of a shrug of your shoulders. Well, I guess this one's done. Met my quota. Or is it like a, an actual example of what her writing is now in these, in these more recent times? Like, See, I have no idea. And that's the real question. Because I know she is still writing. You can find her And writing anywhere. styles change. That's, that's just a, a thing. Because you grow as an author. But this felt like a step backward if what you say about the previous ones yeah. is true, you know? And it's like some sometimes they just miss the mark. They do. And this one just seemed to miss the mark for us for a lot of reasons, not just the sex reason. Hopefully our next book has some sexy sex in it. <gasps> this one you picked. I know, and I'm scared because I know nothing about this author. It's Gina Showalter. Um, so Kat chose Heartless by Gina Showalter. This is a brand new release. Yeah. Um, it came out this, this year, actually, just a couple months ago. Which is nice, because we haven't read super new stuff lately. I'm really excited about this one, because this is the first book in the brand new series, Immortal Enemies. (gasps) Is there only going to be one bed? I hope so, man. All I know is a couple times on here, I've read the word fae, and you know that I'm a hoe for fae. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Hopefully this is a good one. I hope so. We'll see, though. I am trying not to get my hopes up (laughs) based on the past month or two worth books. Um, I just flipped to page 209. Uh Uh-huh. Would you like to read the sentence my eyes checked? Oh, God. Go for it. Her sexy king took full advantage of her surprise and thrust his tongue against hers. Oh, no. I think you might get the sexy sex you were looking for. Maybe. Maybe. Page 209. As long as it, no one ever uses that line I texted you last night from that book. <laughs> this is the worst line in the history of writing. And we've read some really bad stuff. We read B.C. Andrews willingly. We read Bared to You by Sylvia Day. Oh, God. That's a step. But none of them said that. And it was awful. If If a man ever said that to me. I would kick them out of my life. Not just my bed. Red flag. That's a red flag. That line is a red flag. It makes me want to vomit, honestly. All right. Enough about that. Join us next time as we find out what happens on page 209 in Heartless by Gina Showalter. God, I hope it's something good. I hope it is, too. And remember, bad bitches read romance. Bye. Bye.